Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my excellent and very wonderful friend, Father Richard Heilman. And our guest tonight is the amazing, notoriously known <laughs> Michael Hitchborn. Can't wait to get to tonight's topic. You're going to love it. Of course, everything needs to begin with prayer. And Father, I always turn that over to you. Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruinous souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much, Father. Before we introduce our guests and get rolling tonight, again, as always, I want to thank all you out there who have been such tremendous supporters and encouragers of the U.S. Grace Force. You're in these times. I, I, there's just, I mean, words just really escape me as to tell you how important it is. Your prayers, your encouragement, your support, the way you help share this uh, podcast out with other people. Father and I are constantly hearing encouraging words from other people. And right now, as we all know, we're all under the gun, especially our dear faithful priests, including Father Heilman. And so I want to ask you, please remember to pray for Father Heilman, pray for all of our clergy across the globe. Whether they be good or bad, faithful or unfaithful, we need to be praying for them. That's, that's actually that's a, that's a request from Our Lady and so many Marian apparitions. So please pray for our priests. Those of you who support this podcast with your prayers and your contributions, amazing. And we can't thank you enough. If you're interested in helping us through the Patreon program, click the link in the description below. And going out, we ask you to pray about it. We don't want to pressure anybody, but your, your support is helping us continue to get this out and grow this. We've been very fortunate in the last year and a half that we've had this podcast to see many, many people get on board. Subscribers are going up. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel, the U.S. Grace Force, and continue to spread the word to others because we need to band together. We need hope. So I want to thank you all for that. Also, don't forget to go to the official U.S. Grace Force gear page. Get yourself a great T-shirt, a hoodie, a sweatshirt, whatever we've got out there, amazing things, coffee mugs, you name it. That's another way that you help support what we do and help spread the message, which is so important in these times. So thank you all for that. U.S. Grace Force gear page in the description below. You'll find that link. Tonight, amazing guest, Michael Hisborn. We've had him on several times. Michael, I had to take a vacation from my vacation, pull up in my boat right back here, park it, hop off. I'm on the beach right now. The sun's coming in kind of bold and strong. Forgive me for that. But uh, like my little boat back here, kind of cool little boat back here. All right, it's just a screen, everybody. It's just a screen. Some people comment and say, wow, how does Doug travel all over the world like this? <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. a screen back here. <laughs> anyway, Michael, we thought you'd be a perfect guest for tonight. Now, we've got to be careful because Father Heilman and I are trying not to be completely deplatformed. So <sighs> as our audience knows, this is happening to uh, many others out there. Patrick Coffin, LifeSite News, many others. And Michael, you've been under the gun. We know this. And so we're all trying to be kind of clever, navigate correctly, while not compromising or denying truth, still being able to be in a position where we can evangelize and spread the message, because a lot of people are hurting right now. A lot of people are feeling the struggle. I love the title of your outfit. And Father and I got on the phone today. At the time we record this, something major has happened. We got to be very careful for various reasons, but we all know something major has happened. You, being head of the Lepanto Institute, Fantastic name, Battle of Lepanto. And I like earlier, we are warming up for the show and you said something about, we fight bad guys. I like that. Lepanto Institute, we fight bad guys because of the Battle of Lepanto back in 1571. So Michael, awesome to have you on again. And we're just going to unpack this about why is evil winning or why does it appear to be winning? And in some areas, it really is. And we need to need to oh, yeah. get off our backsides and engage. So first of all, Michael, thanks for being with us. It means a lot that you're with us tonight. Absolutely. And it's absolutely, it is totally my pleasure to be with you guys. So um, uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm here for the ride. Our lady is the one who drive, who steers the ship. So I just, I just show up and follow orders. <laughs> <laughs> well, jump right into this uh, with everything that's happened lately. And we want to give kind of a bigger overview because the battle that we're fighting and father Holman and I, we've been on the phone, I don't know, like five or six times in the last 24 hours, it seems since some of these things have really been exploding and unfolding. 
And one of the things he and I were agreeing on and kind of get your take on this and kind of start off with this. This is a much bigger picture than one particular priest or one particular bishop or one particular situation or scenario. There's so much going on in the church right now, specifically the world as a whole, politically, educational and all this. But there's so much happening in the church right now that is so much bigger than just one person being persecuted. And we do want to focus on praying for all of our clergy. Absolutely. Um, I pray for them every day in my daily rosary with my wife. We pray always, uh, you know, some get by name, like Father Heilman, we pray for him by name all the time. But when it comes to the overall picture of everything, Michael, this is a much, much bigger and in some ways much darker scenario than just one particular priest being persecuted or one particular bishop speaking out and dealing with some shots, you know, like a Bishop Strickland, God bless him, he's speaking out, you know, yeah. but takes some hard shots for that. Give us a little overview of really the bigger picture regarding what's really going on behind the scenes here. So last year, uh, when the, uh, the particular, let's call it the Cerveza illness, um, swept the nation, we found that all of the dioceses around the country uh, closed the churches. Mm -hmm. And what I found particularly interesting was that the, the churches closed right around the beginning of Lent, and they didn't open again until Pentecost. And what you wound up having from that period of time, the beginning of Lent to Pentecost, was an anti-Lent and an anti-Easter and an anti-Pentecost. Interesting. What happened? So at the beginning of Lent, what is Lent supposed to be? It's a, it's a time for us to strip away the things that we are attached to. We're supposed to uh, put off the things that we enjoy, the things that we like, and we are supposed to engage in mortifications. But with the closure of everything in the country, most especially the churches, the very first thing you found was a spike in subscriptions to Netflix, to Amazon Prime, to uh, all these different video game companies. You found uh, an influx of self-indulgence. Right. So you have an anti-Lent. You have a period where people are indulging instead of sacrificing. They are imbibing instead of mortifying. And throughout that entire period, this anti-Lent built up to an Easter that was empty. On Easter Sunday, there was an empty tomb. And we are supposed to fill the churches in recognition of the empty tomb. Instead, we have a tomb in the tabernacle that is not opened because the churches are empty. So we have an inverse in Easter. And then what do you have all the way through to Pentecost where Christians are supposed to be the light of the world. We are supposed to receive Christ and take that light that we receive in the Eucharist. We're supposed to take that light into the world. And instead the entire country, the entire world was dark because Christians were not allowed to receive the Eucharist and they were not allowed to bring that light as miniature tabernacles into the world. So you had an anti-Pentecost as well. So if people are wondering why we are in the situation that we are in, it's because there was a, an occultic ritual that took place, whether it was intended or not. It was an anti-Lent followed by an anti-Easter, resulting in an anti-Pentecost. And that's how we got to where we are. Michael, that's, uh, I've never heard that. And that it, is really good. That is really good. Yeah. Because you're right. Because so even, even in Rome, St. Peter's Basilica, uh, the, the mass, yeah. it, it didn't happen there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and do you remember the Pope coming out with the monstrance to the empty square? Mm. Yep. You know, and it was dark out and it, it was eerie. At that time, I mean, it, it just, and the, it, everybody was sad and, and fearful and it was just right. dark. Yeah. You know? so, and so much of this followed up, Father, as you've talked about many times on, on the whole, the, the Synod, which was opened up in October with Pachamama. Right. Yeah. And, and I remember um, uh, a Father, um, oh, what's his name? I shouldn't have brought it up. Oh, Monsignor Pope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right around that time, he got on video and said, there's going to be some kind of, and I think he said pandemic. I, he said there's, there's going to be some kind of reckoning for this 
And this was before we, we even knew there was such a thing as a virus. I remember that, those videos. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, you know, we, we, uh, I, I made the connection, and, and these dates are uh, as solid as I, uh, as I know. So if people want to you know, uh, enlighten me as, as these dates is better, they're fine. But on October 6th, and this is why you, you brought up, the, so I'll just remind people what we've talked about in the past about this. But on to- October 6th, which is the vigil of the Battle of Lepanto, by the way, you know, yeah. the, the anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto, uh, Our Lady of the Rosary, Our Lady of Victory, it used to be called. But on to- October 6th, was um, uh, reports came from Wuhan that on October 7th, there was no cell phone activity, pointing to some kind of event that occurred on October 6th. Then we come to find out that Sister Agnes Sensagawa has never received a message since 1973. Let that date sink in a little bit there. That's Roe v. Wade was the yeah. first time and, and the only time and, until now. And she receives this on October 6th, and it says, repent and pray, uh, 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 put on ashes and pray a repentant rosary. It's like, it, it's like uh, you know, Jonah going through Nineveh and saying, you know, get ready, it's coming. A- and then we find out uh, on October 6th that um, that's the beginning, that was day one of the Amazon Synod mm. that, that, that stoked so much controversy because everybody's going looking around going, um, wait, what? They've got a pagan god in the epicenter of the Catholic Church? And everybody's going, is, is this possible? They were literally, I mean, whether they intended it or not, it, it takes a third grader to understand that that would normalize having pagan idols in every church in the world if, if you're going to do it in the epicenter of the Catholic Church. You know, so, so all that, and it's interesting too in salvation history that God, when we get to a point where we're idolizing, where we're worshiping idols, he usually brings a pandemic, an epidemic to follow after that. And lo and behold, that's what happened. So I, I was just refreshing that. But all of this, it, it, the timing of it, it was either conceived in some back room or, you know, it, or at this point, I'm thinking it was, it was the, the devil. But the timing of it, because you had the country seeming to move toward uh, cleaning up things, cleaning up poverty, for instance. Uh, uh, we had an administration that was the most pro-life ever. You know, people were getting jobs. Uh, the country seemed to be going in the right direction. And all of a sudden, out of the clear blue comes a virus, uh, a pandemic, that throws the whole country on its ear, makes them fearful and depressed and, and wa- wanting hope and change then. The timing, right, Michael? What do you, what, what's your take on, on the timing of all this? It's, it, was, it was perfect in terms of wanting to, to get the ship going in the, in the demonic direction, right? Right. Not just the timing, but I, I, what I find fascinating is that Sister Agnes Azagawa talks about the time to put on sackcloth and ashes, the time for mortification. Right. And, you know, then <laughs> you consider that the time for mortification, what is it? It's Lent. And that, that never right. happened, you know. Um, and, and even right around Christmas, Everybody was focused on politics. People were, were hardly focused on Christ. Um, and it was, it was a madhouse all right. over the country, all over the world. Everything was in turmoil. There was a lot of confusion. And, uh, you know, the devil is the sower of confusion. Yep. He's the one who, who clouds everything. And it, it's kind of like the, um, the, 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 uh, the effect of the octopus in, in the ocean, the, it sprays ink in order to get away from its enemies or to at least cloud the sight of its prey, you know, right. uh, it, it releases the ink and, and the devil does the same thing. He's going to stir up as much silt and dirt and ink and, and just cloud the area as much yep. as possible so that he can then sift us like wheat the way our Lord said that he will. Yeah. Michael, do you think some of the problem is, and, and I, I think this is part of the problem. I think we've been so call it Hollywoodized that 
apocalyptic movies, you know, we've been watching kind of give us an idea and paint a picture of what devastation and when something so serious and heavy as you just described sounds like comes into play. Say, for example, right now, as I'm talking, if I start talking, you know, very dramatic and very intense and then cue the music, boom, right now, here it comes. Dramatic music is coming in. Now we start talking about the darkness that has entered, you know, throughout the land. And we're talking about mass is not being celebrated and we're not going out into the world and being the tabernacles that are bringing Christ's light to the world. Everything you said earlier with the dramatic music and the dramatic sounds, and we could throw some special effects in there. And then we all think, hey, you know what? This is pretty serious, but there is no music. And when the music cuts out, and we're just talking about it, and we're just watching the news, and we're paying attention to things, and we're hearing reports that, oh, yeah, we're locking down churches for the safety of the people. Oh, okay. And we're going to restrict the sacraments for the safety of the people. And people who are on their deathbed are no longer going to be able to receive last rites, viaticum for the journey, food for the journey, for the safety right. of the people. And, and the Pope is, is saying this, and this official saying this, and this politician saying this, and it's all for the safety of the people. And there's no dramatic music. There's no intense, you know, movie score or script to give us an idea that it's that serious. So when you paint the picture that you did, and then Father, you followed up with what you did, the Pachamama to this anti-Lent, anti-Pentecost moment, people just kind of let that roll right by because we're binge watching Netflix and Amazon Prime and video games and, you know, pornography websites grew in their ranks as well. And domestic violence grew and suicide grew and depression grew. And among teenagers and even, even grade school kids, all this stuff just exploded. And if you added a sound score, a music score to this, a soundtrack that was dramatic and heavy and ominous, like, I don't know, I'm thinking of Transformers right now when, when the, when the bad Transformer robots are coming to the earth to destroy the earth, people might take it seriously, but it's not that way. So I guess, Michael, my question is, do you think that because we have allowed ourselves to even be indoctrinated with what we think apocalyptic style events should look like, we don't take seriously what you and Father both just described as being that heavy or that, that apocalyptic, so to speak, when in fact the devastation of souls and families and marriages and, and violence and abuse and lack of grace from sacraments is as devastating and apocalyptic as I think it could get. What do you think? The poet T.S. Eliot wrote uh, a poem called The Hollow Men. And the hollow men, I'll just read you the first stanza, says, We are the hollow men. We are the stuffed men, leaning together, headpiece filled with straw, alas. Our dried voices, when we whisper together, are quiet and meaningless. As wind in dry grass, or rats' feet, or over broken glass in our dry cellar. Shape without form, shade without color. Paralyzed force, gesture without most motion. Those who have crossed with direct eyes to death's other kingdom, remember us if not at if not at all, not as lost, violent souls, but only as the hollow men, the stuffed men. And the poem ends this way. It says, This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang but a whimper. And when we think about what's going on right now in the world, uh, how people are looking for something big, something massive is going to happen. I mean, what are we talking about right now in social media? Everybody's talking about, ooh, the UFO report's going to be coming out of the U.S. government. We're going right. to find out once and for all if aliens are going to invade the earth. And I mean, I, I am seeing Catholic commentators all over the internet, good conservative, faithful men talking about, are we really going to find out if there's extraterrestrial life somewhere? This is what we're focusing on. <laughs> we have a massive crisis in the church. We have a, an incredible drop-off in the faith, and we're talking about stupid aliens. It's a literal shiny object. Yeah, it really is. No. Squirrel, squirrel, yes. squirrel. So how is the world going to end? It's going to end with the whimper. Our Lord said, um, think you that when the Son of Man returns, he will find faith on earth? And I, I wonder about that sometimes, and I worry about that for myself because I, I'm not thinking, okay, the world will end tomorrow or the world will end in my lifetime, but will I have faith at the end of my life, which will be my Armageddon? And if, if people started thinking about the real and practical aspects of our faith, heaven, hell, death, and judgment, if we really focused on that, we really understood, hey, this world 
will end for me someday. I will no longer be a part of this place. I was not a part of this place for millennia. I am here now, but only for a very short amount of time, 60, 70, maybe 80 years if I'm, if I'm uh, healthy, but yeah. comorbidities, uh, comorbidities may throw that off. For uh, right, right, right. But the point is that everything about our life is focused on looking at the next brightest thing. The commercial world does this to us. It makes us look for the next show. It makes us look for the next movie. What is the next video game coming out? What's the next gadget or the latest thing that I need? What, Hey, yeah. I need that, that new truck. You know, the, the, the yeah. one that uh, Joe Biden just test drove, you know, uh, I need that uh, F Ford F-150 Thunderbolt or lightning. Well, and, or and, you know, Michael, and that's, I agree with that. And that's why I think, you know, we, we've been conditioned to think that anything dramatic or heavy or apocalyptic has to come with it. Some sort of trailer and movie release type feel right. to it, rather than realizing like you're saying, when my personal apocalyptic moment comes, apocalyptic moment comes. I just don't imagine there's going to be soundtrack music in the background. Right. I'm hoping. To I, I wish I could hear the soundtrack to my life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd like to pick my own music, but, but you know what? I I'm just hoping and praying that the promises of our lady from the rosary or the, the nine first Fridays that, or the divine mercy where our Lord says, those who promote my mercy will not die in my disgrace or the promises of the seven sorrows of Mary. They will, those who die, who promoted my seven sorrows, and meditated on it, will see the face of their mother. I mean, these these are moments, because that apocalyptic moment, to use the term apocalyptic, is when I die, when I cease my life in this world, and like you said, it's such a blip of time that we're here. I want to make good use of the time while I'm here for our Lord, for those that God entrusts to my care. But I, I, I just think that we've been so conditioned to think. I mean, what you two just described a little bit ago, about from everything from the Pachamama to what Monsignor Pope said, to what we saw that following Lent and Easter was just darkening and devastating when you consider what happened in the, the seat of Rome. I mean, the, the, the call it the mothership, not UFO-ish, but mothership of, of our church. No masses. And, and even now, Father, am I not am I mistaken that they still are not having masses? Maybe one of you know, like in the site altars or so forth, is that still restricted? Well, yeah, they, they restricted use of the side altars, and uh, most believe that they were unnerved by the traditional Latin masses being held there. And Which is was... another, another area to, we could go into. But the, all these things, I see them much more, uh, they're, they're much more prophetic. And I know we've all talked about this, you know, the, the prophecies of our Blessed Mother, you know, and as we see right this moment, as we record this, another substantial example of bishops against bishops yep. with regards to what has just happened recently. And we're seeing this really unfold before us, warnings of Our Lady that that really, she speaks of something very apocalyptic in those warnings in Akita, where she says, oh, this will happen, and then fire will fall from the sky and a multitude of the world will be annihilated, and the sure. good will envy the dead. I mean, there's some serious stuff here to chew on, Michael. So there are real warnings that we have to pay attention to. I mean, yeah. this is obvious. Our Lord warned of it. I, it, I mean, Matthew 18, uh, the apostles were asking our Lord, what's it going to be like at the end of the world? And our Lord said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the son of man returns. People would be marrying and giving in marriage. Of course, there's a euphemism there. Uh, if you really pay attention to the words, what he's talking about is same-sex relationships. Uh, because then he immediately follows it up with, um, as it was in the days of Lot. And he says, in, in the time of Lot, you know, people were... Uh, engaging in all these activities. And then the fire came and, and destroyed them all. And why would he follow that up with Lot? Why would he talk about Lot? Mm. Why did he talk about Noah and then Lot? Uh, if you read the Jewish commentary on scripture, uh, the Midrash, uh, the commentary on Genesis specifically, it says God sent the flood because of same-sex relationships. Uh, and then, of course, we know why God sent the fire to destroy Sodom. So when you put the two together, you kind of get a clearer picture of what's going on. And then when Our Lady of Akita says, I'm going to send fire or fire is going to fall from the sky, annihilating the vast majority of the world. What do you think that's a relation to? Hmm. And yeah. you start putting the pieces together. Right what's on. interesting is that um, in 1917, the miracle of the, of the sun at Fatima itself is a testimony to this because it started off as a deluge that flooded the entire area. Then that was followed by um, uh, a rainbow. 
And then you had fire falling from the sky. So deluge, rainbow, fire falling from the sky, the sun literally descending on the earth. Yeah. It's a, it's a reference back to what our Lord said about the end of times, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. So you have mm -hmm. that direct reference. Even Our Lady of Akita, she referenced the deluge. She said, if men do not better themselves and stop sinning, God is going to send a punishment worse than the flood. Yeah. Fire will fall from the sky. So she starts off with that dichotomy. Flood, mm. fire falling from the sky. It's pretty clear that we have, um, we have the setup. We have the signs to look for. Uh, the rest of it is just a matter of what are we going to do about it? What, what are we, we going do we to do? do about and that, I've been listening to you and I, 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 I kept thinking of 2 Timothy, um, Paul's letter to Timothy. And we talk about, um, mark this, or the, what's going to happen in the end time. So and I just want to read 2 Timothy 3 here. Uh, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers mm -hmm. of money, boastful, pride, abusive, uh, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying his, its power. I always want to stress that part. Yeah. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You know, playing religion, right? And then he ends with yep. have nothing to do with that. But then I, I want to really quick uh, point to the next chapter in chapter four. Uh, he says, for the, um, for the time will come when people will not listen to the truth. They will look for teachers who will tell them only what they want to hear. Yep. I mean, all of what I just read from Paul's letter to Timothy aptly describes exactly what's going on right now. And I've been saying this is that, you know, yes, evil is terrible, and uh, look how awful it is. And and then we get people saying, well, God's got this, or God wins in the end. Or, you know, I got to go golfing and, and fishing. I got I to go to shopping. Uh, it, it, you know, the anti-Lent the anti uh, Lent and the anti-Easter that you talked about. Um, it, it, people are, are distracted with their own idols in their own yes. lives. Yeah, the comment... Comment on that too, Father and Michael. Michael, you mentioned earlier, and follow up on what you just said, Father. When that sun was spinning in the sky on October 13th, 1917, as you mentioned, Michael, it was pulsating and started to come towards the earth. Yep. And this is something in the description people miss. Oh, they were just looking at the sun spinning. No, they thought the world was over. I mean, that sun was coming towards the earth, and then it would pull back. And it did this several times over several minutes. We have to understand that, that that's a pretty big warning from heaven to make it look like the sun is coming at the earth like that. So, right. you know, like you were just mentioning, Father, you know, this, this is, we're not taking this seriously enough to look at these signs. So when we're talking about, oh, God's got this, he's in charge, I want to go fishing, golfing, watch my ESPN or what have you. Um, I don't think any of those people in the Kova that day, when the sun was spinning and coming towards the earth, for any moment we're thinking, oh, I'm not worried, God's in charge of all of this. Well, he right. clearly was in charge because he was controlling what the sun was doing. But everybody at that moment had to get off their backside and make a decision. Am I going to repent? Or am I going to mock this? What am I going to do now? And yet today, and I think you make a good point earlier, Michael, when you say Netflix. I mean, really, people, all of this is unfolding, and we're going to turn to more entertainment? We're going to turn to more comfort in, in our own worldly consolation? I mean, you know, Father, you made the mention earlier when you were reading that scripture passage about people talking only or hearing only what they want to hear, telling them only what they want to hear. Do you see this coming? I'd like to ask both your opinions on this. Do you see this is what's coming from our so-called spiritual leaders out there? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but our spiritual leaders, are they really giving us what we need to hear or are they giving us what we want to hear? Well, to kind I, of keep I, think it's, I think it actually points to what's going on with the abuse of so many um, courageous priests. Yeah, that that they 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 won't endure sound doctrine. That's considered divisive. Right. If, if you actually speak the truth with clarity, you're going to offend people. And and let me just say, they will look for teachers who will tell them only what they want to hear. Okay. Yep. Another version of this from uh, uh, another text is uh, for their itching ears. Remember that? 
mm. that tickle their itching ears. Yeah. But but it only and we're at a place right now where you're only you're not allowed you're not allowed to to speak anything but the radical secular gospel right now. Want to speak to that, Michael? Well, you know, it, going back to your timing, um, you do realize that there was a pope that saw the uh, the miracle of the sun after mm -hmm. Fatima. Do you know right. which one? Pius the twelfth. Okay. Take right. a guess where he saw it. Oh, in the Vatican, Vatican Gardens. Yeah, that's right. And guess when it was? Mm. Don't in say October sixth. <laughs> what, what day was it? October. It was in October. I don't remember which, which day. Which I think you're getting at that mm. later they would have something else in the Vatican Gardens mm -hmm. that was not a yep. spinning yep. sun. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, and, oh, and what does a spinning sun signify? It signifies judgment. My head's going to explode. On the, this is just... Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the, the miracle of the sun, the, any miracle of the sun is always a signification of judgment. It means mm. judgment is impending. Uh an eclipse is always associated with judgment. So you have um, various signs to watch for. And what did our Lord say? He says, you know when the summer's coming. Yeah. He says, you know when to plant crops, but you don't know the signs of the times. And, and Michael, you, I'm sure you are aware of this. And, and Father, you are too, I'm sure. And I've given talks on, on the Marian apparitions hundreds of times over the years. And I normally will ask the crowd, whoever's there in a church or conference, you know, if you're willing to raise your hand, if you want to admit, if you have been blessed to see the miracle of the sun, where you can stare at the sun in broad daylight, not burn your eyes. And every single time I've asked that, there are people who put their hands up. Normally it's just a few. Sometimes someone comes up to me later afterwards, you know, and I'm, you know, I got the CDs and DVDs out and they're coming over and they're saying, yeah, I didn't want to say it in front of everybody, but I've seen it too. I, it looks like a disc is covering it and it's pulsating and it's spinning and it looks like it's just gyrating with this intense energy. And, and I mean, I, I don't know, Michael, if you've ever heard anybody talk about this, but you know, that people have admitted still seeing it even today, but there are people even today all over the world who are being blessed with this amazing miracle. And many would, would say to me, well, what do you think it is? I said, well, I don't know the mind of God, but I would somewhat guess that this is a reminder that the prophecies and the warnings of Fatima are not over. And there's right. just so much to this significance for our time. I mean, I, I, Michael or Father, have you heard anybody? Or Michael, have you seen the miracle of the sun? I mean, is this something that you know of? Because Father, no, Father, I, I've never seen it. See, Father is beyond that. Father levitates and bilocates. So he's, <laughs> he's all, he's, I mean, I know he levitates, but he always gets carried away when that happens. You know, and uh, of course he bilocates, but then he gets beside himself. There, so he not to be there. He's beside himself, you know. <laughs> beside himself. But but yeah, this is something that, that goes on. I mean, would you would you agree with that that idea? Possibly that this is maybe a reminder that God is sprinkling this throughout the world to say, look, this is still significant for your times. Well, certainly. I mean, when when we look at, um, I mean, one of the things that we were talking about just a few minutes ago was the persecution of good priests who are trying to feed their flocks. They're trying to feed their, their sheep the way that our Lord instructed them to, instructed Peter to. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Um, and this is a reference to the hierarchy. Jesus is telling Peter to feed my sheep. So Peter is the shepherd to whom? First, the, uh, the, the sheep who are the apostles. Then feed my lambs. Who are they? The lambs are the new, the new baptized, the newly baptized. And then he says, feed my sheep. Who are they? They are the ones who are already in the church. So we are, we are instructed to constantly feed the sheep. Uh, so the Pope has the duty to feed the apostles. The um, apostles and the priests have the duty to feed the confirmandi and the, the newly baptized. And they also have the duty to feed the lambs who live in the church, the sheep who live in the church. Those are the three levels. And if we don't see that kind of feeding going on specifically, specifically for the duration of Lent, Easter, all the way up to Pentecost, you have an entire flock of sheep who were deliberately starved, starved. And now they're weak. They're so weak, they can't see straight. They don't understand what's going on, and they, they don't have the strength to be able to grasp what they need to do next. And so you know, they're afraid. 
you, you're pointing to again to the anti-Lent and the anti-Eastern and all that stuff. And yeah. I, I recall, uh, and I call it red pilling, uh, the week after Easter, mm -hmm. the week after Holy Week. Because if you recall that going into Holy Week, which I found that interesting too. Oh, get ready. The spike, 2.2 million. That's what they were talking about that yep. leading yep. up to Holy Week. It was almost as if they were like, bishops, if you're even considering mm. opening up your churches for Holy Week and Easter, we're going to set so much fear into you that that's not even on the table. And, and they did. And so, but, but then after Holy Week, when this 2.2 million and the spike didn't happen, I went, um, I'm starting to red pill here. I, I think, uh, don't get me wrong, there's a virus. You know, there was H1N1. You know, there was, uh, we have, we get sick. Some people are susceptible and they die. But even by then, I believe we had the science that said that protect the elderly, but the youth should get the herd immunity going. Yeah. I mean, th they used to have back in the day. They had chicken pock parties, literally because yeah, we did the that. Youth, the youth could; they weren't uh, severely affected by it, and they would get together and they'd spread it fast, so they quickly got to herd immunity. And and there were so many scientists who were censored during that time or deplatformed. Even you remember all that the oh, yeah. the controversy. There was only one science that you were allowed, and now here we are. And all those scientists and doctors and all that that were vilified and censored and deplatformed are all of, a coming, all of a sudden coming back on the scene and going, oh, I guess you were right all along. I, mm -hmm. gu I, guess, I guess we should have listened to you back then. And, and, and I was listening to them back then, if I could find them, because they were censored so much. Do you know the first time I was in 30 days in jail was because in the midst of all this fear and, and panic, there was reports that there was an effective treatment out there. And I shared that. It was a Newsweek article. And, and you mean and you mean Facebook jail just for the audience? Father yeah, 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 yeah. It was not in an actual jail. Did I just jail. say jail? You said jail, yeah. Facebook jail. Sorry. <laughs> Facebook. That's the, that. If, I think everybody knows, but. That just means that they they um, they don't let you post on Facebook for a period of time, and we yeah. nickname it Facebook jail. Anyway, I shared a Newsweek article mm -hmm. of a promising treatment, and and this was right around that time too. And you know what the treatment was? Hydroxychloroquine. Mm. Yep. Right? And you know they needed us in fear. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of doctors out there right now that said many many people died because of the banning of hydroxychloroquine that went on. Now we have ivermectin, we have other things, and, you know, we have uh, successful treatment. By, by the way, the second time I was put in Facebook jail was uh, a LifeSite News article about ivermectin. You know, and what am I doing? And, and I got, I got uh, chastised, uh, um, called out by my superiors for having done that. The, 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 the sacred priesthood, your, 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 uh, uh, you're, you're putting in question the sacredness of priesthood was what I was told because well, I'm a shepherd and my sheep are going through a pandemic. Okay. A plague. And I, and I want to share some good news with them. All right? right. Yeah. That's how politicized it was. That's why I say I red pilled right around that time. I said, there's, there's something else going on here. Yeah, and, and Father, I, I got to shake my head in disbelief. I mean, it's just amazing that we have we have Facebook jail type things out there now. I mean, right. and and I think and, and Michael, like your opinion on this too, because Father and I talk about this sort of thing a lot, is the the fact that we have started to become, I don't want to say comfortable, but yeah, even comfortable with being censored. You know, people will joke around about it, and I know we got to keep a sense of humor. Don't get me wrong, but when you get to the point where you start seeing you know, censoring left and right. And we realize, hey, this is a First Amendment right. This is pretty serious. And then when it starts coming from within the church, church leaders and so forth that are coming down on people like Father Heilman, for example, or I've gone through it a little bit. I can't speak to it, but I have addressed it enough in past episodes 
where I got canceled from some different areas for being too political and so forth within the church. I'm not going to go any further than that, not to incriminate in certain people, but we've all experienced it. And Michael, you've experienced this a lot, but when people start getting so comfortable with it, that it just becomes almost a sense of humor type of thing only, and not look at the deeper picture as to why is evil winning? Well, part of it, is it not because we're, we're kind of comfortable and kind of even joke around a little bit with some of these, what we see as small issues, whether it's being forced to wear a mask or, or, you know, you get censored and thrown in jail here and there. And we kind of, ha, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but wait a minute, there's something bigger behind the scenes here. Is there not Michael? When Malcolm Mugridge was um, in Moscow and he was touring around some of the Potemkin villages that he was being shown, uh, he was talking to one of his, um, uh, one of his editors out in the States and his editor asked him, he said, you know, how's it going out there? Uh, wh what's it like? And he said, well, it's all accurate except for the truth. And, <laughs> you know, the fact of the matter is that the censorship is a communist tactic mm. and it's been a communist tactic for the, since the very beginning, uh, they control choke points. They seek out choke points to control so that they can control the flow of information. And then they get into various controllers offices so that they can put the clamp down on those who uh, are a little bit more rebellious against their strictures. So the- um, Father Heilman, you're being rebellious against them. I know, right? I'm being yeah. rebellious. <laughs> yeah, well, and in times of, what, what's the line? Uh, in, in times of tyranny or, or no, uh, uh, What's, what's that line about tyranny? Oh, tyrants and rebellion against tyrants is obedience to God. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. We, we have a Grace Force t-shirt, by the way. Everybody going out, check the link below. Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Yes. There we go. <laughs> and, and that's kind of where we are. There, there's a little bit of a, a morgue humor going on. But at the end of the day, what else can you do? We don't control the, the platform. We yeah. don't control the... Um, uh, the various media outlets, and we know that media censorship has been going on for decades. So it's it's not it's nothing new, but it's new to individuals who are used to being able to talk to, talk to their neighbors or talk to their priests or have their priests talk to them about the truth, and then they're not getting it. But at the same time, that we have censorship of good priests who are trying to tell the truth, who are trying to speak the truths of the church and to issue warnings about what happens when you align yourself with a certain political party that is uh, completely in bed with abortion, contraception, homosexuality, Marxism, the whole gamut. When a good priest warns about that, he's suddenly threatened with uh, deplatforming from his own priesthood. But then you've got people like James Martin S.J., going around and spreading lies about the church, spreading lies about what the church teaches about sexual morality. And he is applauded, elevated, and paraded around as if he's some kind of hero. So the world right now is completely and totally upside down. And so is the church. The church why, is upside down. Why, why Michael, is, and I'll, I'll call them radical secularism. I could use progressive, liberal, but let's call it radical secularists, okay? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I would actually put Father Martin in that category because he's just betraying the, the yes. teaching of the church um, and, and trying to normalize that, which, uh, uh, don't get me started. Anyway, but why? Why? You, we're talking about now... Per, priests being persecuted by their bishops even who mm -hmm. are who are appeasing the radical secularism accommodating the radical secularists not, not wanting to trigger the snowflakes of the radical secularists why is this happening why because a priest speaks up against this movement to normalize evil by the radical secularists and their radical secularist dogma their gospel and he speaks up boldly about that, he is chastised. He's persecuted. And, and, and it's, I'm, not, I, I'm saying he, there, there's one that's, that, that's, uh, that's, that's recent, but there's so many that, that are having that. Because the shepherds of the church 
don't want to upset the radical secularists. What, what's going on there? What, how are they justifying that? <laughs> I don't think they need to justify it. They're not justifying it to themselves or anybody else. They're just making the arguments and pushing the agenda that they want to push. Um, I, I'm reminded that when, um, when Judas, after he, uh, he dipped his hand in the, in the, in the hyssop with, with our Lord, uh, our Lord turned to him and said, what you do, do quickly. Right. And don't we see everything moving so rapidly now? Everything is moving so yes, fast yes. on so many levels. It's like they're following the same mandate. Do it quickly. Yeah. And, and what's more is that if we take, <laughs> Judas went out and it was night, just like we are enduring a night of the soul. It's a, a, a night of the church, a darkness that has swept over the church as, as fewer people have been able to receive communion and go, on, go out into the world with, as, as the little tabernacles that they're called to be. So there's a darkness. It's night. On top of that, um, Judas is the only one of the apostles who did not fall asleep. He right. didn't fall asleep. The others did. Yep. And the ones that uh, woke up, they ran away. Yep. So, yeah, he, he, was, he was passionate and aggressive about his fulfilling his agenda. Absolutely. That's what the radical seculars are doing. They're That's passionate right. and aggressive about that while we're in the proverbial sleep or shopping and golfing or be distracted by all our worldly wants. Or we're sitting around saying over and over, we know who wins in the end. God's oh, in control. Yeah, yeah. God's got God's this. So let me turn on the next. next yeah. Like, yeah. I read the Bible. I knew who wins. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, yeah. just to remind your audience, quietism is a condemned heresy of the church. Yeah, can you explain that? Yeah. Define that a bit for the audience. Yeah, so quietism, the idea of quietism is that, well, the most important thing in your life is introspection and spiritual life and, and just emptying the world from your soul and your mind and your body and and just interiorly communing with God so that you're not engaging in all of these polemical arguments or these debates or these fights over these different uh, dogmatic ideas. This, those things don't matter. What matters is only what is in your interior disposition and relationship with God. That's, that's what matters. Uh, and quietism it is the sin of quietism and it, one of its uh, sub genres or sub um, sub daughters of quietism would be this idea that, well, God's got this, you know, uh, God wins in the end. It doesn't really matter. We shouldn't be getting out there and, and fighting against these evil things because it doesn't matter to us individually. We just, we just have to work on ourselves. Right. That's quietism. Yeah. It's a condemned Narcissism. heresy. It's narcissism too. Well, that too. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what it is. I mean, but I you know, the other thing that I wanted with the, with the evil that's going. I saw somebody post that on social media just before the show started. That oh, why is everybody getting worked up? And you know, you know, you get off the news, and and I'm I sat there and I went worked up. Where is everybody? Why isn't yeah. anybody fighting? Why isn't yeah. anybody shouting like yeah. you know, the the courageous priest that's being vilified right now you know where is everybody we don't have a problem of people being too engaged we've got a problem and that goes back to two timothy that they're, right. they're doing everything else and then they have they have uh the appearance of godliness but deny its power because if you really believed in the power of god okay if you really truly believed in the power of god that would that would mean you're giving your fiat, your yes to the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you're compelled with joy and zeal to fulfill the missions that God wants to give you in your life. Yeah, like, I can I can imagine if if when the angel came to Saint Joseph and said Herod wants to destroy the child, you need to flee into Egypt, and he said, No, no, we got to worry about that. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to become one, right. you know, with my spirit and, and God, and and angel would say, God's got this. Yeah, God's got okay. this. I don't have to worry. And the angel would say, I don't think you're getting this. Right. Okay. Yeah. You need to move you need to now. Move. Get yeah. moving now because there's an evil plan to destroy truth himself. Now get off your procrastinating, lazy backside and go. Right. Right. You know, I want to I want to tie in something else. Um, going back to the uh, significance of fire and, and all of that. 
I think a lot of people misunderstand uh, the Saint, Saint Joan of Arc because Saint Joan of Arc ultimately really and truly does represent the church if you think about it in a certain sense. She, I think, is the image of the church in her last days because if you look at what happened um, when she was captured, she was wounded and then she was captured by the enemy. So we have a situation now where the church is wounded and appears to be captured by the enemy. Right. Uh, St. Joan was then stripped of her garments and forced to wear things that are not proper to a woman. And what do we have? We have the church now in a situation that has been stripped of the beautiful things, her beautiful adornments, and has been put on felt banners and, right. you know, uh, wicker <laughs> baskets. I call it kitschy things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, then she was tricked into signing uh, an admission of guilt. And in many ways, we now have church documents that seem to indicate that the church is guilty. Yeah. Uh, and then St. Joan is brought before a court, uh, a, 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 an ecclesial court, and she's found guilty before she's brought before a temporal court and found guilty. And what happens? She's burned at the stake. Now, St. Joan of Arc was not guilty. She was not, um, uh, she, she had no guile. And what did she have sitting there as she was burning at the stake? Just the sign of the cross. Mm. That was it. She was not given viaticum. She was not given last rites. She was treated as a heretic. And what did Our Lady of Akita say? In the end, mm. you will have only the rosary and the sign left by my son. In terms of fire falling from the sky. And St. Joan of Arc was burned alive. But after she was burned alive and they were sifting through the ashes, you know what they found? They found her heart completely untouched by the flames and still bleeding. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So the core of the church, the very heart of the church remains pure and untouched by the flames. And we look at the world around us, we see everything looks like the church is guilty of heresy. Everything looks like the church is doing these terrible things. Everything looks like the church is leading people into sin, just as they were charging St. Joan of Arc. But she was innocent, as the church today is innocent. And in the end, fire will probably fall from the sky. And what will be left is a pure undefiled church untouched by the flames mm. i think that's where we are now you know i i, I um we're getting... we, we should have some soundtrack music coming in right about yeah. now that, that was that was great michael was where's, awesome. where's the music <laughs> yeah i was thinking Sorry. uh michael about uh, i was listening to you and looking at your sign lepanto institute yeah uh, i'm i too am a fan of the battle of lepanto uh, because I started an organization called the Holy League, and actually uh, Cardinal Burke is the spiritual head of it. Uh, but it, primarily, it's it's to help, it's to encourage people to gather together for Eucharistic adoration and confession. That's the nuts and bolts of it. Um, and I'm actually going to get more um, vigorous with that in the coming year. Uh, but it's the umbrella organization for other things that's going on. But the point is, is that there's so many dots being connected or puzzle pieces coming together. And uh, here we are in this year. And I want to say this first, that we're recording on Monday. This is the day after Pentecost. And another convergence is uh, three years ago, Pope Francis said the day after Pentecost from now on will be Mary, will be the day called Mary Mother of the Church, a feast of Mary Mother of the Church. Why? Because Mary was with those first bishops. And so, so he, uh, she's, she's uh, there with the church, she would, like she was with the first bishops. Well, this year it happens to fall on May 24th, which is also the feast of Mary, uh, help of Christians. And Mary, help of Christians, was uh, called upon in the Battle of Lepanto mm -hmm. and, and was, was given credit. And, and so, I, I, but, so I want to point to that real quick because we said, why is evil winning? 
And I came up with using the, the, the acronym of United States of America or USA to say what, the, what I see, what they did in the Battle of Lepanto and what we need to do today. And I'm going to just do it real quick. I use the say unity like United States of America. We've got to get together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just saw someone online um, go after uh, my best friend, uh, uh, Father Altman. And it's just a person that likes to go after people. But the division, and it's, it's to me, that's demonic. And we, we've got to set aside all that stuff, and we've got to find each other, but we've got to be unified with our Lord. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is the bond of unity between Father and Son, and we're called into that unity. We've got to be un- unified, okay? That's the U. S is strong. We got to be supernaturally strong in the Battle of Lepanto. Pray the Rosary, pray the Rosary, right? Uh, and, uh, and and so they called upon a supernatural power, a strength, uh, as they were facing this. But it, they unified. They 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 got all the remnant forces together with Don John of Austria, and then they called upon the power of the Rosary. And then what did they do? Action under that unity. The remnant forces come together under the power of God. They went out and they, they, they accepted the mission that was given them and to accomplish that mission. So action, and we've been talking about that almost, uh, uh, almost completely on this podcast tonight, is that this is what's lacking right now. We need to be a people who tune in, say yes, give your fiat to the power of the Holy Spirit. Then watch what happens. You're going to be able to tune in to what God wants you to do. And you're going to have a heart that's burning with zeal and joy to want to do those missions. When you're not, when you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, religion, God, a prayer is the most, it's like climbing Mount Everest. It's boring. But when you have the power of the Holy Spirit, all of that and the missions that God gives you are amazing. And let's do this thing. Let's, let's move out. I'm going in, right? When you have the power of the Holy Spirit on you. So, if, if we're going to take back the culture, take back the church, we've got to say, we got to open our, we, we need a Holy Spirit revival. We got to open ourselves up to the power of the Holy Spirit, get unified, get strong, and let's move out. Amen, Father. Amen. Absolutely. I think that's ex- exactly what's needed right now. Well, and I want to add to that quick too. I mean, I know we're all, we're all, I mean, this type of stuff we all do, we're all working on different things. And along those lines, Father, it's one of the reasons we, Battle Ready Coalition just announced Battle Ready Coalition Productions, which is uh, now the film company branch of Battle Ready Coalition. Amen, and, brother. I mean, the day we are recording this is the day we had our first public webinar, live webinar to announce this. We had announced it to a small group of people a couple of weeks ago. And the idea behind Battery Coalition Productions is films, documentaries, really getting into the thick of these things. Yes, and, and to be a profound influencer. Yes, yes. major. Influencer. And it's, and it's, it's not going to be sanitized. It's not going to be easy. Right. It's not going to be soft. It's going to shake people up. Uh, we expect there's going to be cancel attempts going on. Uh, we're trying to create this so that we have a, enough of a platform on our own that we don't need to rely on big tech type platforms out there. Um, we want to be involving people like you, Michael, and Lepanto Institute. Father Heilman's going to be in our first documentary that we're working on called Doomed to Repeat It. And it talks about if we do not learn from history, we are doomed to repeat it. And we're going to tell the story before the story of what happens to civilizations who are manipulated, segregated, and eventually enslaved in horrible ways and brutal ways throughout time. And what happens interiorly, spiritually, physically, emotionally, psychologically to get to that point? That's our first documentary. We're raising money for it right now to get this off the ground, pull the trigger on the production of it. But it is exactly what you just said, Father. We need a coalition. We need to band together. And then we've got to get strong in the grace of God. And then we have got to get off the backside and engage. Right. You know, but I, and I'm looking at both of you guys. And, and you are the, uh, the, 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 the beautiful image of what I just got done talking about. Where look at what you're doing, Doug. You got an inspiration. And I believe from the Holy Spirit. And you said, yes, Lord, I'll do this thing. And now you're starting this productions thing. It's amazing. And, and Michael, I mean, where do you get the energy to, to take all the missions that you, you do and, and, uh, and are making such a difference in the church? 
uh, it's, and, and that's inspires other people too, to say, oh, yeah. I need to, I need to be doing that too. I need to be listening. I need to be, to accept the inspiration of what the Holy Spirit want, puts before me. What are my missions, whether they're mini missions or grand missions, we, we, but we got to be about those missions, right, Michael? Well, absolutely. It's, we have to remember that when God created any one of us, whether it's you or me or, you know, to anybody, whomever it is that he created, he had that person in mind from the very beginning of the right. entire universe, from the very beginning. Right. Not only did he have that person in mind, he had in mind what the best version of that person the is. Best version, yeah. You know, we're, we're all sinful. We all have a very sinful nature. Concupiscence is something that we all struggle with. But be, despite that, God created us to be a specific person and to fulfill a specific purpose. You know, we have different tools and different instruments around us. We're talking on a, on a camera uh, and, and have microphones. The job of the microphone is not to be a camera and the job right. of the camera is not to right. be a microphone. Right. So all of us perform a function and we have to understand our function. And the only way you're going to understand that function is if you have a robust interior life constantly asking our Lord and lady, what is it that you wish of me today? Right. 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 And I'm going to use an example. That's huge. When uh, several years ago, I, have, I had a friend of mine who was going through a very, very rough time. Um, it, it was a very bad situation. And his parents called me and said, he's the only one that you'll talk to. Will you please come out and talk to him? And I said, well, I'm not sure what I can do to help, but I'll do it. And I said, but I need two things from you. Number one, I need you to, uh, to cover the cost of my ticket. Number two, I need you to ensure that every single day I can start the day before the blessed sacrament and ask our Lord what it is I'm supposed to be doing that day. Because quite honestly, I have no idea what influence right. I will have in helping him. So every day I started my day before the blessed sacrament and I did not leave adoration until our Lord said, Here's where I want you to go. Nice. And I went one place and I sat down and I talked to somebody and I worked things out. And then from that conversation came the next step and then the next step and then the next step. And it was all predicated on Lord. Where do I go now? Nice. A year later, everything was rectified and his situation has now uh, improved dramatically. Nice. It's better than it was. And it's, it couldn't have happened unless our Lord was directing the steps. Yep. So we all have to direct our steps. We all have to ask our Lord, where are we going? Right. My mother used to tell me that uh, the Lord promised to be the light unto our feet, not the headlight on a freight train. And I, <laughs> I love that line because That's it's, it's it, well, it's so apropos of yeah. what it means for us to fulfill the role that God created us right. for who am i supposed to be lord make me the man that you made me to be and if that's all i do with my life then that's the best thing that i can do yeah that's good that's awesome hey can uh can i close with uh my uh passion so i'm pointing right here to my stock certificate to the green bay packers and <laughs> and i'm a huge fan of vince lombardi who by the way served mass every morning he would went to mass every morning and served latin mass back then and then went out and won championships in the afternoon but he said this vincent party said we'll never be perfect but if we chase perfection we'll catch excellence yeah and yeah. And, and i think that's what we need to be about and and i think that comes again by the power of the holy spirit because and i call it the first gift or the gateway gift but the fear of the lord or wonder and reverence is another name it's called that you, you you get so awestruck and so in love with god that your your, your whole life is about i just want to please you i just want i just want you to be proud of me daddy abba papa uh, you know just be i want you to be proud of me and so your passion becomes to try to be the best version of ourselves we can possibly be to to, yeah. to chase perfection and I, as we're doing more of that we're catching excellence Amen, my brothers. That's awesome. Amen. Yep. Right All right. On. All right. Let's end. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. 
And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you, my brothers. Great to have you with us, Michael. Thanks so much for having me on. God bless you and God bless your audience.